The scriptures today, Luke 23, 44 through 46, three verses, and two verses in Luke 24. By this time, it was about noon. Darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone. Everybody shout, the light from the sun, light from the sun. Was, gone. was gone. Suddenly, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. Then early Sunday morning, just as they were telling about their encounter with the resurrected one, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them his hand and his feet. Come on, shout. He showed them, he showed them his, hands his hands and his feet. Lord, we ask that you'd work miracles today as we engage your word on this grand day celebrating the fact that you live. In Jesus' name, I pray. Shout amen. 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 Please be seated. Let me begin by pointing out two powerful theological truths that enables those who follow Jesus to have what I call unimpeachable hope. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, but you're here, I just want to welcome you and lean in and listen to these two points because you'll learn a little bit about what makes believers in Jesus tick. Everybody shout, tick. The first point I want to raise is there in verse 44 where the writer says Jesus has been crucified on the cross. Darkness has fallen upon all the land. He points out and the sun and the light from the sun was gone. Say it again. And the light from the sun, S-U-N, was gone. And anyone's reading that, the revelation that ought to occur while you read that is that while the light from the sun was gone, the sun was still there. And there comes a word of inspiration out of that because we can't help but think that Jesus, the son, S-O-N, of God is dying in the darkness of evil. And it may have been said that the light of the sun, S-O-N, is gone, and yet the sun, Jesus, remains. And for those of us who are believers, here's how we apply that today. That if God loved us so that his son would remain on the cross under the worst of human conditions, so it is also true today that when you and I are going through the worst of human conditions, even though it may not appear that God is with us, he's always there. Shout good news. Shout good news. So that's important because the brokenness of life tends to try to separate us from a an awareness of divine purpose and divine care. And if we wake up 
disconnected from an awareness of God's purpose and his care, it's easy for us to become overwhelmed and give up and lose a sense of meaning in life. But if we know that even in the face of the worst of injustice, in the face of the most incredible physical, emotional pain that the God of the universe has not and shall not leave us, we find the strength we need to keep moving. Tell somebody, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. That's the first insight. Second insight comes out of verse 45. It says that the, the, the curtain was literally, the word is to, is, was ripped, torn, really from the top to the bottom. It's the curtain that was in the sanctuary of the temple. You may recall that this curtain divided the common folk from what was called the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest was allowed to go into the very presence of God and make atonement for the sins of the people. But as Jesus died, it is as though God rips open the curtain. Shout, he ripped it open. And what that means now is that you don't have to worry about someone making atonement for you because Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that, that God made Christ who had not sinned to become a sin offering for you and for me so that in him we might be made right with God. And so when God says to you that you are forgiven it's not based on what you did, but it's based on what Jesus did, and you can depend on it. Shout good news. So it is true that for everyone, access to God's love and salvation is available, and we're all invited in. Well, why is that important? Because as we live life, we will inevitably do the unthinkable. We will inevitably, if we haven't done it, we will do what feels to us like the unforgivable. And those regrets have a way of hanging around and eating with us years after the act is gone. And it's kind of like a pristine floor that looks beautiful, but beneath the floor, termites are eating away. And you walk in one day and the floor collapses, and that's how it is with our lives. If we're not careful, our lives will collapse into all forms of addiction and despair and depression. But if you truly know that Jesus' death on the cross is really the means by which God has, has paid for all of your sins, and when he declares that you are forgiven, he has removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. In other words, God's grace exterminates the termites from our lives and gives us an unimpeachable hope. Somebody shout good news. Come on, let's give God a hand praise for those. Those are two powerful points. Now those point come, points come from why Jesus died. But when we list, think about 
the final few minutes of his death as recorded in verse 46, I want to suggest that there is a hidden practical insight in how he died that if you actually get it, it will revolutionize how you live. Watch the verse, verse 46. Here's, here's, here's what it says. Everybody shout, then Jesus shouts, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And as he spoke those words, he breathed his last. Here's my translation of what Jesus does in that moment. Ultimately, Jesus lets go. Everybody shout, let go. That's what he does. Then, of course, he dies and Friday night he's dead, Saturday morning, Saturday night he's dead. But oh, early Sunday morning when creation started to rock and, 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 and death couldn't keep him and the grave couldn't hold him and, and he who was the fountain of life got up. Tell somebody, he lives, he lives, he lives. He rose up. He would rise up, show himself in that room of disciples. Here's the practical insight. In order for you and I to rise up, we will have to let go. Come on, come on, come on. Say it with me. Say to rise up. I need to let go. Let go, let go, let go, let go, let go. In order for you and for me to rise up to the next level of our pursuit of dreams, to the next level of effective parenting, to the next level of maximizing opportunities in our careers, in order for we, for us to rise up to the next level of mental health, so that we can make better decisions about those who we're engaged in relationships with, I want to say to you, we have to let go. You notice, go back to that point. Notice the, the helium balloon. Notice that it's, it's, it's a, a beautiful basket. The, the, the helium is fired up and the, 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 everything is set and ready to go. And yet, it will not rise up until you cut those ropes that's holding it down. What are, the whole, what are the ropes that's holding you down? Ask the person next to you. Tell, tell the person next to you. Say, it's time to let go. It's time to let go. <laughs> let go, let go, let go, let go. Let go, go. And now you say back to them, let go what? Let go what? <laughs> Since I'm so happy you asked. In order to rise up, we've got to let go. Some of us have to let go living in the past. Some of us are, are still holding on to dreams long dead, years ago. And it's time for us to stop nurturing dead dreams. Grieve those dreams. Let dead dreams go so that we can dream fresh dreams. Shout, let it go. 
let go what? Some of us fell into a hole of, of, of some horrible mistake of sin years ago. And we carry that reality with us. Even though I've just told you that God has declared that if you will believe you are forgiven, it's time for you to forgive yourself and let go. Shout, let go. Let go. Some of us need to let go of emotional pain that we've been carrying for years. Shout, let go. T.D. Jakes said this on an occasion. He said, it takes courage to let go of the things that have wounded us, to let go of the things that made us bleed. It takes courage to let go of those spaces of loss in our lives, the promotions that we didn't get, the men who left us, the women who betrayed us. It takes courage, shout courage, and faith, shout faith, to believe that what's ahead of us is far greater than what's behind us and let go. Jesus is demonstrating faith and courage then that what's ahead of him is far greater than what's behind him. And so he let go. Let me tell you one of the things I want to challenge you to think about letting go. Because we're here in Silicon Valley. We need to let go our pursuit of perfectionism. Somebody shout, perfectionism. You know, you know, the pursuit of having the perfect body, being the perfect parent, raising the perfect child, being the perfect sibling or spouse or lover, being perfect at work and perfect at home and perfect along the way. Shout, let go! Let go, let go. You know, Benet Brown defines perfectionism this way. She said, it is the belief that if we do perfectly or be perfect, we can minimize or avoid the pain of blame, judgment, or shame. Shout perfectionism. She says, perfectionism is the 20-ton shield that we lug along thinking that it will protect us when in fact it's the very thing that keeps us from being seen. And she suggests we ought to let it go. Let it go. All right. Tell the person next to you, say, say to them, okay, I'm convinced. I need to let it go. <laughs> I need to let it go. Let it go. All, right. All right. But then tell them, 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 tell them. Turn to the other person, tell the other person, say, but I got one problem. <laughs> I don't know how to let it go. <laughs> shout how? how oh it's right here in the text Jesus lays it out in his cry it begins with the word then everybody shout then 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 then, then was the, 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 the was what came 
after the curtain had been torn, which symbolized in Luke that Jesus' assignment was over. Uh, then it's reflected in John chapter 19, verse 30, when, when John says that it was in that moment that Jesus cried out, it's finished. In other words, his assignment was completed. Well, here's the first thing. In order for you and for me to let go, the first step we have to take is represented in the word accept. Everybody shout, accept. Accept. We have to be able to accept when we've done all that we can do. Listen to this point. Jesus spent three and a half years healing the sick, feeding the hungry, walking on water to save his disciples, and still there were religious leaders surrounding the cross that had concluded that he was a he, he was he was an imposter. He spent three and a half years uh, confronting evil and delivering folk from demonic evil and still there were folk who had listened to him teach abandoned him at the cross because they concluded that all he had done happened because he was full of the devil or because he was insane he spent three and a half years blessing and healing and holding up the standard of God's justice and there were still Roman soldiers gambling over his one garment because they were convinced despite all he had done he was simply a criminal what's the point here it is you've got to be able to accept that there will come a day when you've done all that you can do and there will still be people you can't help there will still be folk that you love that you can't rescue. There will still be circumstances that you can't change. You will have done all that you know to do. And there will still be situations in which you are absolutely powerless. Say this with me. Say, after I've done everything. Oh, yeah, I didn't hear you. Let's try it again. Say, after I've done all that I can do, say it. There will still be something left to do. Because not every battle is yours to fight. Not yours to fight. So the first step to take in letting stuff go is to recognize I've done all I can do. Not every battle is mine to fight. Somebody else is going to have to do something else. The second step, once I accept, then I've got to trust. Listen to Jesus. Father, I entrust, shout entrust, my spirit into your hands. You know what he's teaching us? That we have to learn to trust in someone greater than ourselves. That, that, that if you trust in someone greater than yourself, 
then you are able to let some things go because at the end of the day, there are some things that can only be done and accomplished by someone greater than you. It was about three years ago. I remember it almost as though it was yesterday. My family went to Mount Hermon for family camp during the summer. If you know anything about Mount Hermon, you know it has these beautiful redwood trees that stretch somewhere between 200 and 300 feet high. Mount Hermon has figured out uh, an activity where they have built an obstacle course 80 feet. Can you say 80 feet? 80 feet up in the redwood trees above the ground. My daughter was about 11 years old at the time, and I had my other three nephews, and, and, and they were excited about that obstacle course, and so they went and climbed, they, they went and climbed up, and they said, come on, Daddy, come on, Uncle. And like a dummy, I climbed up there too. <laughs> you do some strange things for people you love. So here we are, suspended 80 feet in the air, going through all these obstacle courses, Look like you're going to die any moment. <laughs> Finally, we come out to the end, and my heart is beating, and I'm tracing. I'm thinking, God, I'm at the end, but, but, but nobody told me. I, 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 I must have missed the fine print. I didn't know, y'all, <laughs> that when you came out on the end, on that little stage, that the only way down 80 feet was the bungee jump. Show them, 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 show them. This is the act, the act say, show them, show them. And, and you had to bungee jump. Y'all got the video? Show them, show them. Here it is. Watch it. That's what they wanted me to do. <laughs> my, my daughter was on the ground saying, come on, baby. Come on, daddy. Come on. My nephews would say, come on, uncle. Come on. Jump. I looked back there. I say, y'all crazy, crazy, crazy. <laughs> the woman up there, I'm talking about trusting something greater. She said to me, <laughs> I, I, have you ever looked at people and you know they're saying some stuff they're not saying? <laughs> she, she first said, it's going to be all right. I said, I know it's going to be all right because I'm going to go back that way. <laughs> and she said, listen to me, listen to me. She said, how tragic would it be, sir, for you to come so close and then turn around at the last moment? I want some of you to hear me today because I think Jesus is speaking to you about letting go. And, and, and he's saying to you, some of you have come right to the edge and you're almost ready to let go of that unhealthy relationship, to, to let go of, of trying to control what's not yours to control. And you're right there and then you turn around. And the cycle starts all over again. <laughs> I said... And she could tell, I'd never, so she said, so let me, here's what you have to do, she said. Trust the rope. <laughs> now, this is where I could read her mind. 
Because what she wasn't saying is, I could hear her thinking, I didn't tell you to go just jump off the cliff. Anybody know you can't survive jumping off 80 feet? So let me tell you what's obvious. Trust the rope. Everybody shout, trust the rope. What she was saying is if you grab the rope, together with the rope, you can do what you can't do by yourself. That's what Paul means when he writes in Ephesians 3.20. I like the message version when he says, you know, God can do anything, you know. He can do uh, more, far more than you can imagine, guess, or request in your wildest dreams. And he says, and when he acts, he doesn't do it by moving you around. But, 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 but it's, his, it's his power that is at work within you. It's his spirit that is moving deeply and gently within you. What Paul is saying is learn how to trust in one greater than you. Grab the rope. Grab the rope. I looked at this lady and I said to her, how do I know I can trust this rope? She looked at me and she didn't go into the science behind it. She didn't say uh, what kind of material the rope was made out of. She didn't talk about the mechanical gear that's at the top and how it operates over against the gravity. She just, she kept it simple, y'all. Come on, shout, keep it simple. She, she kept it simple. She said, well, just in this day alone, Tons of people have jumped down holding the rope. And we haven't lost one yet. <laughs> she said, as a matter of fact, isn't that your daughter down there? <laughs> you know what she was saying? Check the history. Everybody shout, check the history. Check the history. I, I, I know that the, the church hasn't always been perfect, but, 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 but come on, shout, check the history. I remember Dr. King saying in the height of the civil rights uh, movement that the, the, the arc of the universe is, 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 is long, but it bends towards justice. It's because he had faith in how God, ever since Jesus had gotten up from the dead, how he had worked through his people. You know, it was Jesus' followers who invented hospitals to care for the sick. It was Jesus' followers who came up something called the hospice that care for the dying. It was Jesus' followers who, 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 who developed orphanages to care for kids who had been thrown away. It was Jesus' followers so committed to the redemption of the world that they would raise up Harvard and Princeton and Yale. Wow, churches haven't been perfect, but check the record. Jesus has used his followers to change the world and make it better. Check the history. But then, check the history of your own experience. In all of our lives, there are some gaps where things happen that you couldn't explain. Y'all ain't listening. Come on down. I was 13 years old, and, and I had climbed up in a tree, and there was a broken building beneath me with, with uh, a board sticking up and glass and nails, and, 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 and I went to jump from one limb 
to the other limb. Come on now. And the limb I was standing on broke and gravity was against me. I can't explain it, but somehow something lifted me, y'all. Come on now. And I'm here to preach to you some 50 some some years later. Come on now. In everybody's life, you can find a moment when you should have been dead, but you're alive. When you should have been lost, but you've been saved. When, when all hope was gone, but God has delivered you. Check your history. If you can't find him at work in your life, whoever invited you here, there's at least one believer somewhere in your circle. Take them out to lunch next week and say, tell me your God story. Because maybe if I can see him in your life, I can recognize him in mine. And then finally, the text says that Jesus, after trusting in something greater, with those words, breathed his last. You know how to translate that? You know what he did? First, he accepted, I've done all that I can do. Then he trusted in someone greater than him with a proven history. Then he let go. You know what, he, what that means. He released control and leaped shall leap. What's in your life you're trying to control that you shouldn't be trying to control? Is it your children that you're trying to keep from harm's way when in fact they need to fall in, in order to learn how to get up? What you're trying to control that you shouldn't be controlling? Are you controlling too much at work and, and not allowing your, 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 your colleagues to, to grow because you got everything and holding it in your What is it that you're controlling that you ought not to be controlling? Uh, uh, the word for you today is everybody shout, let go! Release control and leap. Well, I was standing on the edge and the woman said, I'm going to help you. She said, I want you to walk right up to the edge. I walked up to the edge. She said, now hold on to the rope. I held on to the rope. She said, I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, you just step off. She said, it's just that easy. <laughs> I said, all right. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, one, two, three. I stayed right there. <laughs> she said, you can do this. She said, where's your faith? Now, she didn't know I was a preacher. But that was the last thing I wanted to hear. I wish I could have told her. I said, baby, I'm not in no church. Come on now. This is not no sermon. I'm on a stage 80 feet down. But isn't it true you don't exercise faith in here? You exercise faith on the stage of life out there when you stand up when everybody is sitting down for truth. She said, you can do this. She said, I'm going to count one more time. And I know you're going to be able to do it. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, hold on the rope. I got it. She said, one. She said two, and then she pushed me three. <laughs> and the rope hit, boom, bounced me back up. I said, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I'm alive. That's how God works with some of us. 
He wants to move us to a brand new level of effectiveness. And so he steps back and he allows life to push us off the stage. And we're screaming and we're screaming, but he's got us with his grace. Come on now. And over weeks or maybe it takes a few months, the rope catches. Come on. And we bounce back up and we find ourselves saying, thank you, Jesus. You made a way out of nowhere. Thank you, Jesus. You showed up in the midst of my darkness. Thank you, Jesus. My God, you know, it strikes me that is Jesus, God wrapped up in the limitation of human flesh, looked up to his father, God robed in unlimited possibilities. He said, Father. He looked into the abyss of death and experience that he had never known throughout eternity and throughout his earthly existence. It strikes me that Jesus was preparing to bungee jump, y'all. Nobody needed to push him because he loved you so much and he loved your, your, the next generation so much and he loved us so much that he decided that we was worth it. And y'all, he let control and he leaped y'all all on his own and, 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 and he went down and died. And as, as I've said, Friday night and Saturday and Saturday night, he was dead, but Sunday morning, come on now, the father pulled him back up and, and he was raised up, y'all, come on now. All because he was willing to let go, he rose up. And this is why when he ended, then he shows up in the room and he, he says, look at my hands. Everybody shout, look at his hands. That's where the scars are, where the nails and the spikes were. And, 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 I, and what he's inviting us, he says, the next time you want to pray to Jesus, come on. I want you to imagine him standing in the room with you with nail-scarred hands. And, and I want you to imagine, and as you see those holes in his hand, I want you to know that you're looking at the grace that he has for your life, the mercy that he has for your life, the unconditional love that he has for your life. And, and just say, Lord, just lay those scarred hands on my life. Would you touch me? Because healing comes out of those scarred hands. A, a hope comes out of those scarred but then I had another thought. Everybody, saw, everybody say, another thought. Here's my other thought. I said, I thought about when I get to heaven, he's going to show me his hands. And I'm going to take him and kiss him. Because that's my salvation. And then I'm going to step back. And then I'm going to show him my hands. And you say, and I'm going to show him the scars in my hands. So wait, Hamilton, you weren't crucified. Oh, no. Don't you know that we have not simply gathered here to celebrate the resurrected one, but we've gathered to follow him. And he invites us to follow him into the work of reconciliation and love. And he says, would you dare to get your hands scarred, feeding the hungry and 
clothing the naked and, and, and providing some housing for the homeless? Would you dare get your hands scarred by opening up a house and taking a foster child? Would you dare get your hands scarred by, in a polarized world, building bridges of love and trust between Democrats and Republicans and the right and the left and the rich and the poor and the black and brown and white because we're all precious in God's sight. Get your hands scarred. In order to do that, you've got to be ready to let go of your fear, let go of your self-centeredness, and let the power that raised him cause you to rise up. Everybody shout amen. Give God a hand for this.